Hello, everybody. It's been a long time, but we are officially back. It is November 15th, 1.42 p.m. We are stationed here at WAPX-FM Clarksville 91.9. This is Just Talking Sports. My name is Marcus Modi. I have my partners, Patton Cook and Gabe Jones here. And we're going to go straight to it because we're going to start with Austin P here because Austin P is officially the number one team in the OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference. The last time you heard us or even saw us, it was three uh, three games ago. They're on the three-game winning streak right now. They beat Tennessee Tech, beat Eastern Kentucky in overtime, in the overtime thriller, and then last week be- beating UT Martin for that first place. Guys, we're going to hit uh, these first two games just a little bit before really going dissecting into UT Martin. Yeah. So what do you think about Tennessee Tech where well, they dominated 58-21? to 21? This is one of the few games to where they started fast and they ended fast. And that's a that's a positive sign because going into that one, Tennessee Tech was one of the top teams in the OVC. And unfortunately for Tech, Austin P really set them back a few pegs and that kind of destroyed their confidence a little bit. They struggled the past few weeks since that uh, kind of epic loss because there was a lot of a lot of talk going into that game. I know a few of uh, my friends that go to Tennessee Tech, including one of the players, Shannon Fain, who went to my high school. And uh, mm. Shannon wasn't talking to me, but I had a few pals uh, telling me, you better watch out. I'm like, you guys better watch out because we've got one of the best defenses in the league and we've got a sneaky good offense that's averaging over 30 points per game. And anytime you've got a defense like Austin Pease and you're scoring 30, uh, it's it's a it's a good recipe, shall we say, and that's exactly what they did against Tech. A lot of quick strikes for Craig and that offense yeah. early on, because I'm not even gonna lie, Patton. After that first half, I was like, yeah, this game is out Over. of reach. <laughs> but Javon Craig he recorded seven touchdowns and got recognition from the conference, the FCS, for his performance. He was just dominating all across the board. They picking apart Tennessee Tech. Tech scored the first touchdown. The next time they scored, the score was 41 to 14. <laughs> I don't know what, what you can do with that. Craig had an amazing game. I don't even know how you could top that performance. Seven touchdowns. Uh, he, he played amazing. And D'Lo, of course, um, our star wide receiver, always just – he's – as Patton, me and Patton were talking earlier, he's just always open. Yeah, and it's kind of – a cool thing to see from uh, Javon because once he's got a lead, very rarely is he going to give up that lead. He loves playing with confidence. He's not having to fight back into it. He's playing with house money, and that's really when he's at his best. He doesn't have a lot of pressure, and he can also just hand the ball off. There's no need to kind of rush throws. You can just hand the ball off to a back like Kentel or Ahmad Tanner. But that was a really good, um, a really, a really good game for Austin P, and it kind of gave him some confidence after they had a, a shaky performances in the past few. But that was a good bounce back game, especially because they had lost to right. Tennessee State. That was their first time being ranked all season, then losing to Tennessee State. So they made a statement for the OVC and the conference. And I can only imagine the doubt that they had because I had a whole lot of doubt after losing to Tennessee State. You just got your first rankings of the season, and you come out like that. Um, I wasn't sure they that I definitely didn't think they were going to come out the way they did against Tennessee Tech, but that's uh that kind of set the tone for the next two games we're about to talk about. Eastern Kentucky Austin P beat Eastern Kentucky in overtime 28 to 21. It was a scary sighting for if you was watching that game and uh, as a governor because it seemed like it was not in their favor at all, but after Kentel Williams on the first play of overtime 
takes it 25 yards for that touchdown. Unfortunately, what we have um, seen from Austin P this season, my biggest knock on them, we play to our competition sometimes. Um, Eastern Kentucky is not a great team, not to harp on Eastern Kentucky, but right. we should have been – head and shoulders over them in this game there is no reason this game should have went to OT yeah and the thing is it's not only Austin P that struggled uh SEMO last week they mm -hmm. uh, they had a hard-fought battle so I do agree that a lot of the times it seems like they play better against a better opposition we saw that against Central Arkansas Jacksonville State and then Southeast Missouri it's when they get in these kind of trap games is where they kind of let their guard down just a little bit but a sign of a true great team is when you haven't played very good at all and your playmakers make the big-time plays, and that's exactly what Kentel Williams did in the overtime game. But give credit to that Austin P defense. They've gotten a lot of credit this season, but had a lot of key three-and-outs and stops on fourth down to give their offense a chance to tie the ball game up, and that's exactly what they did um, for a neutral game or for a neutral kind of fan exceptional game because it had everything it had turnovers it had um chain chain game uh controversies <laughs> it should it should have been a first down should it not have been a first down but uh a really good production to watch and uh for those players i can only imagine how tiresome that was because it took every ounce of effort to pull that one out eastern kentucky was actually a sleeper team in this ovc because as you just said Patton, they fought against cmo and also with Austin Peay, like they were both when Eastern Kentucky played Austin Peay, they was both five and three, five and three at the time. So they was also a pretty solid team, and it was actually a good testament and road win for Austin Peay to go on the road and get it done when situation wasn't really in your right. favor. When on that fourth and two, the refs move the chain game and give them the first down when it looks short, but you got it done when it needed it the most. Yeah, and we we had uh, Isaiah Norman before the show. He showed us this screen grab, and don't think that all these players aren't having a little chip on their shoulder. How the heck is that given? But luckily enough for them, it didn't come back to bite them. But a really a good game to watch, and uh, the next game we'll talk about uh, another pretty good one. UT Martin, that was for the first seed in the OVC. It was for all the marbles as well because Austin Peay would, would win the Sergeant York Trophy as being uh, – with the Sergeant York Trophy, it's when Austin P plays Tennessee Tech, Tennessee State, and UT Martin, whoever has the best record will get the trophy, and that's the, all the bragging rights. So Austin P won it two years ago with Will Healy, but I think they have a good chance of winning it now after beating the three teams or only losing to Tennessee State. But Austin P won 38-24. to Just a solid effort by the defense, by the offense. Everything was rolling for the governors. If we can start with the Austin P defense um, – our defense is outstanding. Our our rush defense is magnificent. I, it, it's great. It's the best that I've seen since I've been attending uh, this institution. Um, their running backs for totals negative twenty five yards. What were, what were their totals, Patton, for the day? Negative uh, twenty five was the kind of total, but most of that was the quarterback. He had negative twenty two. But even if you take away that, they still were in the negatives. negatives. And yeah. Even. Uh, when you have that happen, I don't care who you are. And the thing is, UT Martin, they came in as a 
pretty good rushing attack, but they were missing They're their starting. star running back. So that that does take into account, but those other backups, they it's kind of a three-horse race that they had been playing with all season. Peyton Logan was their star running back who had just under 800 yards for the season. He had three straight games for a 100-yard rushing, so that hurt him a lot right. not having him. But kudos to the Austin B defense. That front four is Man. getting the push that they need, and they're opening up the lanes for Elijah Shepard. Pat Walker, those Cameron Miller, those guys are just okay. This is where they're going to. This is where the gap, the running back is going to. I can just immediately attack because they're getting the double teams. Once you get that double team for the front four, you have an advantage no matter what. And two things um, I'd like to talk about is it kind of had the same sort of feel that they had against Southeast Missouri and Jacksonville State. It took a while for the Austin P offense to kind of get a rhythm and. One thing this defense does is it gives that offense time. It can get three and out stops, gives them good field position. And once that offense gets rolling, it, it, it really <laughs> it, it helps them out a whole lot. But it had that same sort of feel. The defense kind of bailed out the offense in the first quarter. And then after that, the offense really took over and it, it performed very well. Because at the end of the first quarter, it was still 0-0. Zero to zero and right. It was very confusing because you didn't know how the game was going to go. When I, I was commentating on uh, the radio side, I was somewhat confused because it was swaying back and forth. You didn't know how Austin P was going to be playing for the rest of the game. You didn't know how UT Martin was going to be really playing for the rest of the game. But that second quarter switched in a lot of Austin P's favor. Fortunately for Austin P, our star running back, Kentel, got them legs moving yep. 121 yards this game. Pat Patton, I know you, you, we have to talk about this 67-yard rushing touchdown that he had where Kentel, it seemed like he broke four to five tackles. He didn't fall on the ground because what happened was Kentel was coming off the left side. seemed like it was a host of UT Martin defenders around him, and it just seemed like everybody thought he was tackled. Then out of nowhere, Kentel just shugs off of him. And just takes it to the house. Well, I I gotta say, um, for some of these games, you you uh, if you do the broadcast, you want to make a spot board to kind of have uh have some information on the players. And once that play I thought was over, I looked down and I was about to credit the UT Martin defense for stopping Kentel Williams. And then when I looked back up, Kentel was at the twenty yard line <laughs> about to score. So a really a fun play to watch. But that really, if that plays exemplifies any player, it's Kentel because he's gone through a lot this season. He's battled injuries, and this is the first game probably since week four or five where he's been at full health. And when you see a player like that, he gets back. How much confidence that gives him. He just kept battling through tackles, and that was one of the – I think that might have won Austin P the game because that just kind of killed the will of that defense, and it kind of showed. Because UT Martin, they was the number one rush defense in the OVC. Yeah. And with Kentel getting all those yards, eating that clock up as well, it hurt UT Martin in the long game. John Bacchus, who was on the freshman list for the Jerry Rice Award, freshman of the year, didn't play the best game. It was somewhat – that throw that he made in that second quarter, the Cordell Jackson interception when I questioned it a lot, and it really hurt him and the team, really, because that momentum was swung in Austin Peay's favor really for the rest of the game after that interception. He didn't play great, but what I will say, he did have some moments of brilliance. His, I believe two of his touchdowns, his receiver was kind of covered, mm -hmm. and he just put it on the spot. Absolutely, and coming into it, he's he was a redshirt freshman, and his coach was telling us how uh, – 
He's not looking like a freshman anymore. That first half, he looked like one. Yeah, and he did. A lot of that has to do with the offensive line. I believe the line coming into that game was giving up 23 sacks. 22, I believe. So, so it's not it's not all his fault, but he had a lot of pressure from uh, Josephus Smith and Mason Harwell just right in the middle. And anytime you get pressure in a quarterback's face, uh, I don't care who you are, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, they're not going <laughs> to perform uh, to their max potential. And unfortunately for Backus that game, he found that out. He should have he should have pulled on Aaron Rodgers really well, on yeah. that in, in the second quarter for the interception. He could have just threw it away, but he right. threw in a double coverage and it was a duck as as well as that. So Cordell, <laughs> I saw from my angle, and I'm probably what 20, 30 yards away from Cordell. I could tell his eyes got big immediately. He was waiting on that interception, but Bacchus is really really good. As Gabe said, those two touchdowns. Uh, it was a really nice dimes in the back of the end zone. At that yeah, <laughs> he had three of them, but two of them I definitely know. Um, I was working low end zone, so on the left, right. he hit them just perfect, man. So the accuracy is there. It's just that the UT Martin offense got going a little bit too late. And and for any UT Martin fans, don't feel discouraged because this year was supposed to be a write-off mm-hmm. year. I believe they were picked either seventh or eighth in the conference, and this wasn't supposed to be anything, but when you – they kind of – stumbled upon this guy and as he gets older uh just the arm talent you can see is there as Gabe is mentioning and the talent around him is only going to get better uh, because the offensive line play this year it can't get any worse he hasn't had a whole lot of time but he's kind of been thrown into the fire and he's worked very well with it I think one thing for Bacchus that he needs to work on is the turnovers because he's racking up on a lot he right. has now I believe it's seven turnovers he has with five fumbles now those turnovers are piling up, so if you're a UT Martin fan, you just want to hope that he can take care of the ball. Because, yes, the offensive line did do terrible, giving up just about 23 sacks before Austin P's game. Austin P had about five sacks, so make about 26. And, and very rarely when they were getting these sacks, Austin P was only bringing four people. Uh, exactly. They weren't blitzing very much at all. And any time <laughs> you have the, the ability to only bring four and you get pressure, it gives the guys on the back end like Cordell Jackson and uh, Isaiah Norman a chance to go up and get the ball because you've got more people in the secondary than receivers. So uh, just the numbers game, it, it helps them out. Austin P played amazing. I, I have nothing else to say. Austin P next week. <clears throat> This upcoming Saturday, we'll be taking on Murray. And this is a game where I'll say last year for SEMO stake, if you're a SEMO fan, you probably understand what I'm talking about. Because last year, SEMO was in first place of the OVC, winning the, to the last game of the season at Murray. All you had to do was win, and you clinched the OVC championship. And on the last play, Murray State kickoff return for a touchdown and gets the win and ends up Jacksonville State takes it if you're austin p just go over there get it done don't worry about coming at home against eiu just make sure to get a win this saturday and the one thing that gives me worry is this has tennessee state written all over it again (laughs) and um one thing that they can do is just to get off fast and don't give murray state any kind of sign of life because if you give those fans who absolutely hate austin p any sign of life, they're going to take it and run with it. And if they give Murray State a chance, it's going to be a tough game. And one thing they would love to do is just stomp on their head and get out of there because you want to come back home and possibly have a chance to play for the OVC championship, but it's vital that they don't think about that because I think that's kind of what they were thinking after Tennessee State. Hey, we've got a real shot to win the OVC. Oops, drop a game. 
against Tennessee State, one of the worst teams in the OVC. So we'll, I think it's going to be very evident from early on how they how they play just from the very jump. Austin P just has to keep their head in the game, take one take it one game at a time. Um, defense travels. I True. think it's I think it's all pretty much just all on the offense uh, to get this win, get this win, and get them out of there because I think that our defense will show up. So we'll see. Coach Hutchbeth, that was Coach Mark Hutchbeth, the head coach for the Governors. That was his motto from the jump: take it one game at a time. And I think after that Tennessee State loss, they more focused on that, yeah. taking it one game at a time. So moving forward, they're on a three-game winning streak right now. Now hitting into Murray, which is the battle of the border rivalry, who's what's been going on for as long as I was born, as long <laughs> it, as I've been on this earth. It's been sure. longer than that. I, I believe know for since '05. Sure. I think right. Yeah, it's, and I believe it's only been longer than that. And and luckily enough for the Austin P, they had that kind of trap game go against them early on in the season. If that would have happened later on, you're scrambling to kind of get through. But where they had a lot of time to kind of get back to practice, get back to the fundamentals, it kind of helped them out a little bit. But now's uh, now's crunch time, and this is something that won't be talked a lot about. Is this program hasn't kind of showed. They haven't been given a game plan on how to close out an OVC championship because it hasn't happened a whole lot in their history, and they've never made the FCS playoffs. So this is going to be whole new territory for these players, but it won't be for Coach Hud. Because the last game, last game against UT Martin, it seemed like that was the biggest game since 1977, yeah. where they did win it, and that's a long time. It's been a long time for Austin P. If you're listening and you're an Austin P. fan, you've been waiting for something like this because. I know for me and Gabe, we was here our freshman year when they didn't win a game. Nothing. We was we was here through all the agony that a lot of fans witnessed. A lot of fans here witnessed twenty seven straight losses. Well, and uh, Barry Gresham, one of uh, the uh, broadcasting professors, um, he tells me every now and then, Pat, and it was never like this because my first year was the magical season that they went on. I've never kind of experience the lows of the lows. I've only known the good times, and I can only imagine what it's like for some of the Austin P faithful just around town, Around town, how proud they are of, uh, of Austin P. Because usually I've, uh, I've been in Clarksville um, kind of just around town playing soccer at some events, and most of the time you see the Alabama, you see the UT sweatshirts, but you're seeing a whole lot more Austin P sweatshirts right now. And this is a team that, that the hometown crowd can get behind because – this is a kind of a blue collar. We're going to be punchy in the mouth, and we're going to win the game, and uh, these people can relate. The swagger is back right. now in Clarksville, and you see it a lot here in the area. Like, okay, yes, Austin P is a legit team yeah. now. Now I can go and talk to my family back home. Be like, yo, Austin P now in the uh, won the OVC championship this year. Now that they have a shot at the FCS conference, they can get a playoff game if they win out. Now the people are like, yeah. Austin P is legit. Austin P is legit. Austin P is legit. Now they're just waiting on the team right. to go out and go get it done. So it's gonna be very interesting to see these last two two games because it's at Murray and then the last is the home game senior night for them against EIU. EIU not one of the best teams in the OVC, so everybody expecting a win there. But don't worry about the EIU game. Worry about the Murray game. And I know that uh, we'll talk about it probably a little later on, but that senior night is going to be really cool if they can indeed win the OVC because these seniors, as you mentioned, they were here for the bad times, and they've kind of brought this program up. And that'll be a pretty cool moment for some of these guys to, if they can do it, lift that title. And that's something that 
that their parents hadn't seen. So it, it'll be really cool. So sweet, we're going to switch things up. We're going to go to the NBA because the NBA start of the season has happened. You should check out our NBA preview that we have. We have. But we're going to do some overreactions because it's only been a few weeks. Been about 12, 11 games at the most. And it's been a, a weird start of the season somewhat because there's been a lot of good teams. Well, who we thought was good teams not playing the best. We got a lot of somewhat we thought bad teams that are actually playing really good. Playing really good, yeah. Guys, which one of y'all want to go first? Um, I guess I'll start. Um, let's talk some Mavs. Luka Doncic is he is he the next coming? I don't think he's the next coming. He's already here. Yeah, he's, here. Uh, <laughs> he's already. He's already. <laughs> he's here. arrived. He's yeah. arrived, folks. And I think with Luca, a lot. Of, I, I wa- actually watched Luca when he was overseas, and I was trying to tell people. I was one telling Gabe, "Yo, this guy here is ridiculous. This guy here is something serious." And people now, when he got drafted, everybody was like, "Hey, man, it's an overseas player, but this guy can actually ball." Just last night, he had a thirty-point triple-double, even though they lost to the Knicks. And the crazy thing is, is a lot of these players in the NBA, there's comparisons. Mm-hmm. So night in, night out, even though you haven't played that player this season, you've kind of played someone like that player. Lucas is own different type of player. He he can score 30, he can get 30 assists, and he can get 30 rebounds if he just on any given night if he wants to. So it's just kind of a, a weird comparison because a lot of these guys, you can't put a point guard on him, he's too small, and you can't put – really a small forward on him because he's too slow. So it's just kind of a weird matchup that you have to put him on. And it's been a fun ride to watch, and we're so early into the season, and him and Porzingis haven't got to their full potential yet, and that's the the craziest thing about it. The Mavs haven't done the best. It's been a little bit weird right now because they don't know closing closing out games right. have been a little bit of a struggle for them. That's why I haven't I didn't have them in the playoffs because – they could have started off strong, but they actually started off a little bit slower than I expected. Yeah, because I know Patton, you had them in the, you had them as the fifth seed. Yeah, fifth seed. That was a it was a bold one right there. But Luka Doncic is legit. He's gonna still score. The only comparison that people can really say is LeBron James, who was his idol. Right. But he can his passing ability, the ability to rebound the ball and score at will. His step back three is something lethal that he just he just had this. Put added to his game. Yeah. The step back just got added to his game, and it's really un- unguardable almost. You just got to hope he missed it. Luka Doncic's career stats, 22-8-6. This year averaging 28-10-9. I don't not, I don't expect him to keep bad. those numbers. Not too bad. But that's really good right I'm now. Not, I don't – honestly – And how old is he? 20. The man is 20 years old. Honestly, I actually don't I don't see any reason for his stats to go down. His team, I believe they're the only team to have every player, I think at least nine players score like 10 points, scoring double digits. So, he's obviously facilitating very well if Chris Stops can get his you know, self back into uh prime form. Yeah. I think they're going to be scary. It's another team for the future what you have to really worry about because, you know, these old guys, these LeBron Jameses. They don't the, have too many more They don't have that left. many years left, and you got to worry about these young guys. I know Gabe has another overreaction coming up soon that these guys, these young guys, these 24s, 25s, you have to really worry about yep. once they hit their full prime. Man. It's, it's, it's about to happen. If he's doing this now, 
what is he gonna do <laughs> whenever yeah. he hits his prom? Right. It's gonna be crazy. So, uh, last thing on the Mavs in Mr. Luka Doncic. Uh, I'm on basketballreference.com. Let's let's choose the best uh, nickname he got. So we got the Matador, Cool Hands, the Dawn, Wonder Boy, Swaggy L, and this isn't on here, but my favorite is Holly Lu- Luca. What are we thinking? What's the best best nickname for Luca? I Dungeons? like the Dawn personally. The Dawn, yeah. The Dawn was a good one. I. I laughed at the Hallelujah because <laughs> I, I was the one that sent him that and they made a whole song after Luka Doncic because of his rookie year but it's going to be very interesting to see what's your what's your second one um I want to talk uh the Houston Rockets uh Houston I believe that they've thrown out the defensive playbook yeah that, that's <laughs> not even a thing uh, what the Wizards? What the Wizards score like 157 yeah, uh, points or something like that? But they scored 158, so it didn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. It, we knew it was going to be interesting to see what Russ and Harden could do this year with that offense. Dan Tony's offense, of course, has been very friendly, point guard friendly. So I'm excited for what I've seen so far. Just, I don't think they're going to be able to defend anybody, but if they can outscore them. And give credit to Dan Tony because I was uh, watching the game, uh, I believe it was against the Clippers, and mm-hmm. uh, he had uh, one of the commentators for that one say, Dan Tony's just basically had Russ do his thing. He's not making him do stuff that he's not normally used to and just t- taking a lot of threes. Russ is driving to the lane just as much as he was in OKC, and that's that was one of the things I was worried about was. Don't tell me he's going to make Russ a spot-up shooter. Please don't. That, that would absolutely kill his offensive game. And once he, you get him out of rhythm on the offensive end, his defense is going to be just as uh, just as bad. I think with Russ, Russ knows his game, and he knows that he can set up guys. So now with James Harden coming off the ball and him running down, he'll it's very dangerous with all those shooters yeah. around Russ attacking the basket. Then you got Clint Cabello with the lob now. James Harden is going to be James Harden. He's going to score whenever he wants to. He's going to get to the free throw line whenever he wants to. Gabe brought up a good point, the defense. If they can get stops, that's something that Mike Tantoni is not known for because he's an offensive-minded coach, but they have some of the assistant coaches focusing in on that. And I would look for Trevor Ariza. I believe he's still out on the market. I would look to bring him back in because he was exceptional with that Houston Rockets team. And one thing – I'm still I'm still not sold on them playoff wise because we've seen this story throughout the years. We've seen uh, a great regular season, and then once once the half court offenses start coming back, and once the the referees whistles start to lessen just a little bit, because you're not going to get the same fouls called in the regular season in the postseason. So I'd like to see how this team is going to look in the postseason before I uh, kind of cast any stray judgment on them just yet. My once again, I, I believe I think that their offense is going to be fine in the postseason. Russ has a tend to a tendency to pull too hard, as I guess Max Kellerman would say. <laughs> Sometimes he just wants it so much and so bad that he pulls so hard. But if we I harken, think that energy can be like shown throughout the team. Though it's I, a it's a good it's a it's a blessing and a curse sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think that if we harken back to the, I believe, 2017 uh, playoff series, whenever they missed 27 straight threes, mm-hmm. Russ will take threes. But in that case, I think he goes to the basket. He's gonna put he's gonna put his head down, get to the basket, get some some points. So uh, I agree with Patton. If they can pick up a Trevor Ariza, get some better 
Um, defensive perimeter wings. defense. Defensive be wings. Fine. Three and D players. Is that all they need? Because Peter Tucker is a great defender for right. them. He just needs more help. And now it's it's even harder that Eric Gordon is going to be out for a little about six to eight weeks. It's going to be tough for them. It's going to be very interesting to see how they move forward. And they need to not turn the ball over. I believe Harden's averaging like five turnovers. Russ is averaging about four. Uh, yeah, they they have to hold on to the ball. Uh, last overreaction, I guess the Hawks. Hawks in the playoffs, guys. Trey Young looking Trae amazing. Trey Young is a phenomenal player right now. If you are not watching Trey Young play, you need to go see him play right now. You're missing box You're office because yeah. it's a reason why Atlanta went for out for this guy because. The confidence is there now. At first, in that first half of the season last year, in his rookie year, the confidence wasn't there. Now he's pulling shots that he was pulling at Oklahoma, and he's like knocking he's them down. He's, he's knocking them down from thirty-five feet, and it's a scary sighting because if you can't, if you can't go, if you have to pull him out at from thirty-five feet from Nebraska, one pick and roll action with John Collins, who is suspended right now with from the drug policy, twenty-five games, but. If you pull them out, just do a simple pick and roll action with the shooters they have around them. It's gonna be very tough, and also a sleeper for that team is Hunter. Yes, I was about to say that. I love what I'm seeing from DeAndre Hunter, um, and also Jabari Parker. Jabari. If, anytime they need a bucket, I mean Jabari can just score. He did. He did have a blunder uh, <laughs> a couple nights ago. I saw go viral on Twitter. But um, one thing on Trey Young is. As you mentioned, Marcus, there was a lot of talk on why they didn't get Luka. This is one of the few situations where you see both teams kind of won that trade. Uh, Luka mm-hmm. is happy in the Mavericks, and Trey Young is very doing very well in Atlanta. And one thing I'd like to point out is he looks just as fast as Steph Curry. Uh, and you're talking about going up 35 feet. He can get by you quicker than Steph Curry mm-hmm. to me. And uh, the handles aren't what Steph has right now, but – that's only going to get better, and that's a scary team to look for because one of the younger rosters in the league. But the moves in the package that he has with his handles. It's not too bad. Me and uh, Marcus were a part of a pretty heated argument uh, whether Trey, who's the better playmaker, Trey Young or Steph Curry. I, I'd, I'd give the passing ability to Trey Young. i got to give it to Trey. I, and I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, one thing I am – it's not even a disappointment. It's not a surprise. Cam Reddish. <laughs> Gabe, let's, let's, wait, wait, wait. I know because Gabe has a very special vendetta against Cam Reddish. Special one. A very special one. Cam, so go ahead. Cam Reddish. This man was a what? Top five pick, right? Okay. So last year we watched uh, Zion, uh, R.J. Barrett, and Cam Reddish uh, <laughs> take Duke to what a second a second game loss in the tournament. What did Cam Reddish do? Because I didn't see him out there. Did you see him out there? <laughs> I didn't see him. I saw somebody wearing his number. I didn't see him. And, guys, we're, they drafted him top five. He's averaging five points. He's, he's not playing great at all. And my big thing here is, uh, as a Cavaliers fan, I was seeing Cam Reddish mocked uh, to the Cavaliers. I'm like, oh, my God. Please, please no. don't. <laughs> and the whole thing is with Cam – 
I've been hear, hearing about his potential since he was an infant. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the potential, that's all I hear, potential, potential, potential. Uh, at some point, oh, I need goodness. to see some of this stuff. Man. And we're not seeing it right now. And Cam Reddish. I, got, got I mean, I, I hope he gets it together. But at some point, he is what he is. And we saw a little bit of that last year at Duke, and we're starting to see more and more of it here uh, for the Hawks. Cam Reddish doesn't know his role right now with the Hawks. When does he what, ever know his role? That's the thing, though. That's my question. Cam, exactly. Cam, what was Cam? Cam was the third guy for Duke. Mm-hmm. R.J. Barrett, ball dominant. He wanted the ball in his hands at all times. Yeah. You have Zion on the other side. Of course. You what? better get in where you fit in. If you if you hooping, you exactly. need to be able to make some shots. You <laughs> can't score. And, and with a team like the Hawks, you're going to need to get your spot up shooting up because all the attention is at, is at Trey Young right now. And the amount, of, op- said, and the amount of open looks you're going to get, Start start making them practice. That, that's the thing, though, because now he's seeing that he having a chance to knock down open jumpers. If people like you guys would just let him get a chance first, it's, it's only been a few weeks. I give it. Ten, I, this is this is a pure overreaction right now for Cam Reddish. This I, isn't an overreaction. <laughs> I've been calling this since college, and, and and I would agree if we didn't see the same stuff last year for a whole entire year against the offensive mastermind and Coach K. Even Coach K couldn't unlock well, he, this guy. But he had, what do you mean? He had multiple twenty-point games as well. Yeah, what, and he like also yeah, <laughs> against against opposition that we can't when even Zion, name. Right when now. Zion was out, he was playing big for them. Did he? Yes. Did he really? Yes. Hitting key key jumpers. What do you mean? Did he really? Yes. Man, I think Cam Reddish is gonna be a guy where we go through this season. We're like, all right, it was just rookie. All right, we go through next season. We're gonna see a minutes increase. The Atlanta Hawks uh, organization is going to be like, are we sure he sucks? Are we sure? And then he's going to suck, and then they're going to be like, all right, get him out of here. I just really hope Cam Reddish could actually listen to this and prove you guys wrong. Please I'd, prove I'd, me I'd wrong. Love, I don't wish uh, bad no. badly on anyone. We just point out what we're seeing. That's what I'm saying. That's just, this sounded like a lot like Skip <laughs> Bayless. <laughs> but I'm going I'm to go with my overreactions. The first one, because it's, it was news happened yesterday, but I made my overreaction before it happened, and that's with the Blazers. I said the Blazers would trade for a big man. Not a big man as a center, but a power forward. I was thinking, I told Patton, I was thinking Kevin Love to the Blazers would be wonderful. But they just added Carmelo Anthony just yesterday. Carmelo Anthony is back in the NBA, which is a good sighting because he can go and get a bucket whenever they needed to. Yep. And with the Blazers – they needed a third. They need a third score. Just plain and simple. The other night, when Damian Lillard only had nine points, the defense is now. They're just gonna trap C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard in every pick and roll. They're just gonna let Nasir Little, Anthony Simons, just shoot the ball whenever Rodney Hood. They're gonna contest those. Yeah. But anybody else, go ahead. Mario Hazonia. You can take those shots. You can pull from 30. We're not going <laughs> to believe it. That's how they've been playing the defense on them. And it's really tough right now because they're 4-8. and eight. This season they haven't been doing the best. So hopefully Carmelo can go and change some things for them. Well, uh, me as a pseudo-Portland fan, that's I, I only have one team, that's the Patriots, but I root for Portland. Um, we're – we're not good at defense. I'm I'm not yeah. gonna lie to you. We're not good at defense. Uh Hassan Whiteside, we thought that he would help. He hasn't been doing much. I mean, he's there. He's a body. He's been actually doing pretty well. He's fourteen averaging. fourteen and twelve, the the stats sometimes numbers lie. Correct. Like, but if, that's the thing though. 
you can't depend on Hassan Whiteside to be your defense. No. He can only stop the paint sometimes against no. the best guards, best forwards, best big men in the game. You can't just depend on Hassan Whiteside being your pivotal piece of the defense. you got to have defensive wings around him. And the team defense as a whole, the switching, mm-hmm. uh, that's really where it's been a problem for them. And as much as uh, Melo is going to be a good – he's not going to help on that defensive, defensive side. Uh, so that's, that's going to be a worry. But for me uh, – this whole Carmelo, I've been seeing videos of him shooting uh, open jumpers on Twitter. Uh, he's been making them in his defense, uh, so we'll see. Pretty mellow. Uh, we'll, we'll see how he does. Uh, I, I mean, mellow in the NBA is always it's it's good. It 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 gives another storyline to the NBA, which is only a positive. Well, uh, go ahead. Oh, honestly, if we can get a trade uh, for Kevin Love, I would hate to see him go, but I would drive CJ to the airport. I've, no. uh, I've I've been calling. No, no. I've been, I would love it. I would drive him to the no, airport. Why? Why? I love CJ, but he he won't play deep. I mean, he Damian can't Lillard, play defense. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, they don't play defense. They don't I have know. the best defenders. That's why we need a defender. And, uh, Kevin I, Love is going to be the defender for the Blazers. No, but, but he's going to be more points. And, and I will say this. What, uh, that's what CJ McCollum is doing. I, but I, I did tell Marcus, um, I said I would throw in a first. Well, actually, I would throw in a first. Colin Sexton and Kevin Love for a first, and um, C.J. McCollum. Colin Sexton is a really good defender. But uh, he plays he, the same position. Yeah, but uh, I, I think for me, you get younger at that position. For the Cavs, you get a player like C.J. McCollum. He's from Ohio. He's from Cleveland. He would love to play in the land. And for me, I love Kevin Love, but uh, from what I've seen this season, He's just as unclutch as he was with LeBron. And uh, as much as I love I love Kevin Love, I would love to kind of see us move on because we've got some young pieces now that I'd like to know, see more of. Y'all know Portland is not going to give give up C.J. McCullough. I don't, I don't think it's going to be straight up. I honestly think it would be a three-team deal as far as um, if that were to happen, I think it would be a three-team deal. That third team, I don't know who it would be, what the piece would be, but I think it would be a three-team deal. Because C.J. Dame and C.J. are off – off the market if you think they just they, i don't they think cj is off the market they, they just signed the extension Damian, they just signed the extension for cj fine. for a, a max deal what do you mean he's not i've seen people get signed and traded well chris yes. paul yes <laughs> chris paul prime yes example. correct d'angelo yep. russell <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen it i've seen it but i love cj i love him i love him to death but if but at some point this isn't working Yes. This is the same team you've had for the past couple of years, and you haven't been able to get past that first and second one, round. One thing that confused me the most was the Aminu for Mario Hazonia trade. I agree. There is no reason. Honestly, Aminu can't shoot, but his defense was pivotal. And then you we lose Mo it. Harkless as well. We needed him too. So you're 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 adding – you're saying give it rid of CJ for Kevin Love. That still means you're going to need a third score. Our defense is going to suck regardless, right. <laughs> Marcus. But that, that's what I'm, what I'm saying is we have even, to score points. Even if you traded C.J. McCollum for mm-hmm. Kevin Love, mm-hmm. you still only have two main scores. Wrong, wrong. We got Anthony Simons. I love, I, but he's, I love he's, Simons. He's just a rookie though. That's fine. No, he's a second so he's year. A, and I'm sorry, I, second I love year. him. He's I, a second, but he's not. He's not there yet for them. I think if he gets the minutes, gets the touches, I think. He's gonna he, shine. He, he's getting the touches now. Like I like him too. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love I love him. He has a really good game. It's just that you can't depend on him each and every night right now. 
when Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are in their prime. One one thing I will say, I don't know if they need a, another quote-unquote score. I, th- I just think they need to stretch out the floor. And that's one thing Kevin Love can do is once you put him in the pick and roll, it takes that big out of the paint and it gives a player like Damian Lillard uh, a chance to drive. And that right now they're just crowding the paint because they don't respect anyone outside of C.J. and um, and Damian Lillard. And they don't really have a good – pick and roll player because to me Hassan Whiteside he gives about as little effort as I've seen to anyone oh. in the NBA you saw Shaq get into him a Shaq a player who cares or a guy who cares about Hassan Whiteside and Whiteside comes out and, and trash talks him I just I just don't get it from that point but to me I think Kevin Love would space the floor very well for Portland that's something they need Kevin Love yes will be a great addition to them I would I, if it was me Zach Collins, Mario Hazonia, they can get traded with quickness for, and uh, I'll give them a pick. If your name is Damian Lillard, you can. Because I would, I would try my best to keep Dame and CJ. Have Whiteside. You have Carmelo now. That's a that's really a really nice lineup with Dame, CJ, Carmelo, Kevin Love, Hassan Whiteside. You have a legit contender team. Then I love CJ McCollum. If your name isn't Damian Lillard and you're on the Portland Trailblazers, all fourteen of you can go. All right, my <laughs> my next overreaction because we're gonna be talking about this for thirty minutes. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. But Brooklyn, I think Brooklyn is better. They was better last year than they are this year for right now. I might sound crazy, but I think things. I th- I do think things will get better as the season moves forward. But it seemed like really even how the even though the media is trying to portray this a lot with Kyrie and Brooklyn late in games, it has been really questionable. And a lot of not a lot of ball movement. That's Kenny Atkinson's system, getting the ball and around. That's Kyrie, and that's and Kyrie just having the ball late in games, dribbling, 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 dribbling. Then have to pass it. Then they want to give it right back to him. Like there's no ball movement. There's only one screen and roll, and then just Kyrie trying to pull up for a j- shot. You gotta have that flow and that movement for this team to work because these young guys. If you're trying to prepare these young guys to be actual contenders. You have to get those guys going. And the more and more Kyrie goes to these other teams, I think Ty Lue's coaching resume has got to get bumped up more and more because you didn't see – you kind of had LeBron kind of keep Kyrie under wraps. He knew when it was his possession to kind of take over. Mm-hmm. But now that Kyrie, quote-unquote, has his own team, at least for this year, because I think once KD gets back, Kyrie's going to go back to and being second also, fiddle. That's also a great point because, like – I feel like will Kyrie and KD bash heads too. That that's another thing when he comes back, when KD comes back from his Achilles, like are they gonna bite heads? And because KD's gonna move the ball, he will do that. That's one thing that he's done all his whole career. He doesn't Indeed. care about. He will swing the ball, but when it comes down to that moment, he wants it. And that last shot, and both of them are good at it. So that's yes, gonna exactly. be that, that's gonna be an, an interesting because both of them have got a resume of making huge shots. KD did it two times against the Cavaliers in the finals, and of course that uh, that famous shot that Kyrie hit to win the championship for the Cavs. So that's gonna be an interesting proposition to watch. Well, Kyrie and KD are best friends, so I think that they're gonna Supposedly. figure it out. Yeah. Well, no, KD said Kyrie is his best friend in the NBA. Yeah, but uh, the the whole friends uh, thing for me. Kyrie and LeBron were like a father and son figure, and uh, I think LeBron said that <laughs> <Allegedly>. as much. <laughs> and LeBron said that as much, and you could see it on the floor. And then something—I don't know who's talking to Kyrie. I don't know if he's got a girl or not, but uh, something something changes throughout the season with Kyrie. I don't know if it's his, his 
his mental kind of thought process or not, but it's just a weird thing because Kyrie has these cycles where he gets uh, a little selfish. Indeed. I, th- I think it's uh, Brooklyn was just put in a weird position, honestly. Last year they were kind of a surprise team in making the playoffs, made a little run. Um, and then that, the next year you get the two big names, Blockbusters, Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's hurt. So you know this you're not going to win a championship, but you know – you got Kevin Durant in the oven. It's very interesting because those young guys at first with D'Angelo Russell leading mm-hmm. them, you knew that, okay, these are going to be potential players for the future. Now that you got Kyrie, DeAndre Jordan, and Kevin Durant, you're like, next year we got to go for a title or something's going to be wrong. Yeah. And, like, you got to put faith in those young guys, just like how LeBron was with the Lakers. He, he, he thought – the Lakers thought, yo, we can't afford another year. That's why we going. We just gotta trade all these pieces. For Brooklyn, though, you got these young guys. Get their confidence up early, so when it comes to next year and everything's on the line, all the media is on you. They confidence is still ready. Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddle, Joe Harris, all those guys are ready for it because they've been in those situations and they got the confidence up now. And this game, in this season, should be a write off for Brooklyn, and that's one of the big things. Is if you're not facing. If Kyrie's not facing the pressure good now, my God, what is it going to be like when you've got arguably the best player in the league come back from injury? The pressure is going to be ramped up a whole lot. It's going to be very interesting to see. But my last overreaction, the Toronto Raptors, they are actually could be a potential contender. These guys are actually good. And, like, even though they don't have Kawhi Leonard, y'all, Gabe's looking are, to be crazy right now. All right. Are they contending to lose in the second round of the playoffs, or what are we? What he's, are we contending for? They can actually hoop, guys. Like Gabe, I don't yeah. Know, like Siakam is legit. Siakam, who is most improved, he might not be MVP caliber, not but yet. he is literally dominating the floor, and you can't guard him. He's reading everything perfectly, not perfectly, but he's reading it exceptionally, and it's, it's, he's he's getting to the point where he can almost be unguardable. And I think in the regular season, we kind of showed this with Toronto uh, a couple years ago. They can play about as good as bas- team basketball as you can, but uh, once you get in the playoffs, that's when the stars take over, and Kyle Lowry is not a star. Siakam possibly could be a star, but we haven't seen Siakam really take over a playoff game without a guy like Kawhi Leonard right next to him. So that's going to be kind of the same thing with the Rockets. I'd like to take a look how they do in a playoff-type game, playoff setting, half-court offense, not full speed down down the floor. But we'll see. Uh, it's a good story because after Kawhi leaves you high and dry, you're thinking, my God, this could happen. The same thing with the Cavaliers. They only win 20 games next season. That's not going to happen with this roster. They can be a potential Six seed or higher yep. easily. Well, see, Siak- East Siakam definitely made the jump that we expected to see. Um, I don't know how much better you can get from twenty-seven and nine, but <laughs> if he can keep that consistent through the playoffs, I agree, Marcus. He they do have a chance to go on a run. Just with some of the other juggernauts in the East, I don't know if they have enough to beat them. Because right now the Seventy Sixers, well, you know what? Yeah, the Seventy Sixers. I don't know. I'm not really sold on those guys right now because the spacing has been a problem. That was going to be coming in. But shooting is shooting awful. Awful. Like if Tobias Harris is not going to shoot threes, it's going to be a problem for them. Like and, and, and I got if he's a, not confident in in his shot, and, how they're going to win. And I got a big bone bone to pick. Uh all all year long, all summer long, I was looking at Ben Simmons shoot three pointers <laughs> on Twitter. 
And uh, my Cavaliers play the 76ers, and you've got Tristan Thompson out shooting Ben Simmons. Tristan Thompson, a player who's never shot beyond the free throw line <laughs> until this season, he is three of four from the three point line. And he's put the work in. Allegedly, Ben Simmons has put the work in, and he doesn't shoot the shot. I think it's more he has the confidence now, like his confidence is boosting, but Tristan Thompson, just being honest, he doesn't care. He gonna, he's just going to pull it now. Because he, he's, he's made him, uh, and that's the whole thing with Ben. Once he sees one goes in, he's going to start shooting. He is just so he's. It's the Markel Fultz effect. He's yeah. so scared to even but try shooting it. It's somewhat. It might be just not because like the fans want him to shoot it, but they don't want him to be missing all these open jumpers as well. Is that so? That's the. You, well, he's you not even. Think, he's not even attempting them. That's the whole thing. He's not taking the three point shots when they're there. Those, and those Philly fans are not are not. Friendly at that, I'm even not, on a team. I'm not gonna lie to you. The fans want him to shoot threes. I think the defense wants him to shoot threes but, too. But, but these are the games where you work out the kinks. And because I agree. once you I can agree. start making them in in playoff basketball, if Ben Simmons is hitting three pointers, they can win the whole damn thing. It's over. <laughs> and because there's so much talent on that roster, if you got Embiid down low doing what he does, and that's that's another thing. You got Joel Embiid being more of a point guard than Ben Simmons. He's taking more shots, kind of. Stupid shots, I guess you could say, uh, say than Ben Simmons is. So it's just a weird, a weird team. Pat, go ahead with your overreactions. Uh, I'll keep it quick because we've uh, we've we've uh, we've taken our time, shall we say, <laughs> yeah. on this one. Uh, first up, I've got one of the better um, better stories in the NBA: the Phoenix Suns right now. Uh, Barry Gresham, he's loving it right now. The Phoenix Suns are killing it, and this is a, a team that's got a lot of talent. It's been in the lottery for nearly forever, and it's starting to work out for him now. You've got um, a couple players in Aaron Baines at starting at center right now. He's they're doing better without DeAndre Ayton. So that's kind of a, a funny thing to watch. Is DeAndre Ayton was holding this team back? You could say <laughs> last year, and Aaron Baines has gone in and killed it. But Aaron, uh, DeAndre Ayton actually is. He was doing good. He was actually doing well when he was playing. It, he he was doing good, but the team was not. And this once, year? Or yes, are you talking about last? The, this year? This year, as soon as they were Ar- still winning games, he played one game. I know, but Ar- as soon as uh, <laughs> as, as soon as they came in, the defense, the team defense for the Phoenix Suns has been exceptional. I agree with Padden. Honestly, um, he did he did come in playing good, but he has played one game, and from what we saw for between last year and this year, he was in the games. Defense sucked. Now that he's not in the games, defense is decent. Well, when he comes back, then we will see, and we'll have to talk about that one more. I agree. But but Phoenix is actually a good team now. Ricky Rubio, the addition, Aaron Baines, Frank the Tank Kaminsky. Yeah. Uh, they're signing it. Kelly Oubre, they extended him, shipping off T.J. Warren. And now Monty Williams, at head coach, actual coach for the Phoenix Suns. They're going to actually run sets and not just play pickup ball somewhat. This team can be actually legit and – Somebody you got to worry about for the future as well. And and let's not forget, Monty Williams took this Phoenix Sun job over the L.A. Lakers. Uh, he took the, the the Suns job before the Lakers had even decided. And, uh, yeah. and that's showing it's not looking like a too bad a proposition, even though uh, my next team, I'll go ahead and get into it. The Lakers, I uh, in our if you do go back and listen, don't listen to what I said about the <laughs> Lakers, even though it's it's a it's a and we're early into the season, but right now they're looking really good. And I, I've been impressed on how LeBron has really taken this new kind of role. He's not on the ball as much. He's kind of taken off offensive possessions. But the big thing for me is 
he's ramped up that defense again. He's uh, really put the effort in on the defensive end, and that was something even in Cleveland that, that, that I was starting to see was he was taking possessions off on the defensive end so he could have the offensive possessions that he was doing so well at. But that, that's been a, a good sign to see. LeBron's trying to go for their uh, defensive, play, uh, defensive team yeah. this year. <laughs> but it's a good sighting. I think somewhat that the Lakers' defense as a whole is somewhat questionable still. It's just that they're scoring points. Like, they're getting the points that they want. Anthony Davis is getting the shots that he wants. LeBron is facilitating even more now than he has done, I think, ever really. Yeah. Because a lot of times LeBron would get aggressive whenever he wants to, and now he's looking for Anthony Davis. He's looking for the shooters. Well, you can see he's pacing himself yeah. right now. Last year it was pretty clear he was going for the MVP, and then he kind of burned out uh, midway through the season. Right now he's – he knows his ultimate goal, and that, that's not the regular season anymore. It's to win that chip with the L.A. LA Lakers because a chip with the Lakers, I think it goes right up there with his uh, first championship with Cleveland and uh, or his first and only because anytime you take a franchise like the Lakers where they were a poverty franchise, let's get it, let's get it right. In 2010, were, it, was, it was awful for yeah, them. And if they can bring him back and LeBron goes off into the sunset winning a ring for the Lakers – that only helps his uh, his legacy, shall we say. Absolutely. I mean, I, I have nothing else to add. I, I think that the Lakers, uh, once they added Kyle Kuzma, once Kyle Kuzma came back from injury, I'll say. Yep. Yeah, he, he's definitely opened up their offense. And one thing that um, I love, it was pointed out, I wish I could say who said it, but I think this is probably LeBron's best supporting like stars as far as what they do to help him and, well you got you got d wade you yeah, got d wade who helped gosh. on the on the perimeter but other than that you got ad who can create wherever he wants whenever he wants bosh was turned into a glorified role player kevin love was turned into a glorified role player that's the thing though i think it wasn't lebron lebron came to his mind was like okay I have a dominant big man. Like, I had Kevin Love, who was a dominant big man. I had Chris Bosh at that time, who was a dominant big man. But I was more focused about me being mm-hmm. the best player. And he, and he turned them into spot-up shooters. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, But this time, he was like, okay, I have a top-five player. Now, I'm not going to do what I've done in the past. I'm going to switch it up and have the ball go through him, who is still he was in his prime right now. And, like, he's still a top-five player in on the planet. So, you know what? Instead of me trying to be the number one guy, number one guy, number one guy each and every game, I'm going to go to him. I'm going to force-feed him because I know he can get a, a bucket wherever he's at on the floor, from three, 15 feet at the basket, back to the rim. It doesn't matter. So, I'm going to look for him more because whenever we do this pick-and-roll action, it's almost unyardable. Indeed. And uh, – or my, I'll say one more thing on the Lakers. If they can get rid of KCP, they might win the championship. <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, another, uh, another KCP walking me. It's funny It's funny that you said that because we and Gabe have a close friend of ours that <laughs> hates. When I, when I, guys, when you're listening to this, when I say he truly hates. It's personal. Yeah, it's personal. It's personal. <laughs> Patton, this man said KCP is worse off than Jay Cutler. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you just got to ask, what does what does he do? Um, he wedged the layup. <laughs> yeah, he wedged the layup yesterday. And <laughs> moving on, uh, an, another team I would like you not to listen to my opinion on, mostly because of injuries. Uh, my final uh, overreaction is 
the Warriors. And uh, in my defense, I didn't know that Steph Curry would go out with some phantom uh, hand injury. Be out. It wasn't phantom. It well, was. and it is now because you've got a player with a broken hand who's going to miss all of the season. What kind of broken hand is going to be out all the season? But Granted, it's it's a smart move. What's the point in bringing him back out there? But I would have loved to seen Steph Curry kind of endure what I've been enduring the past two years with the Cavaliers. <laughs> um, but – one bright spot, D'Angelo, uh, D'Angelo Russell is—he's um, making a good audition tape right now, and he's—he's he, going to be a trade piece for the Warriors moving I'm tired forward. Of that, man. Because I, I don't think you can have both Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and also D'Angelo Russell. I think they're going to end up trading Russell away for uh, a big man, possibly a, a three. But what team, Pat? I got a question for you. What team do you have to worry about? If okay, just say. Because next year this is going to happen most likely. Steph, D'Angelo Russell, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Willie Conley Stein. All right, that's going to be most likely the starting five, correct? Probably. If they don't, I, I, I'm th- saying if they don't trade, yeah, yeah. If they don't trade them, right? Right. What team do you have to really just worry about outside of the Lakers, who can go extremely big? What teams are do you have to really just worry about defensively for uh, at being the Warriors defensively? Towards the team, Utah, Portland, no, Portland. You got two guys, yep. Dame and CJ. I, I just I don't see a way that all three of those guys can mesh um, at the same time. Someone's going to be the out man uh, because but when this, KD came in, he was able to adjust, and I don't see a way right now when you still had Steph Curry on the floor with D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell was struggling because he he wasn't able to get the ball a whole lot, so. I, I would I would be was, I think that also is I'm sorry no 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 but I think they was force feeding Steph a lot too though in the beginning of the season so now that when you fully loaded back everybody how the Warriors was playing last year yeah they're just gonna all right we're gonna swing it here swing it here who who's ever open gonna take the shot because you have to worry about everybody again when they're fully if D'Angelo Russell doesn't get traded anybody can take a shot out. And you know Draymond's going to facilitate it, so you're going to just be setting each other up for the shooters. And, and one name I'd like to—I know this is super far away, but I would try and see if I'm the Warriors if I can't get Demar Derozan, mm. because uh, him mm. at the three guard, he doesn't have to shoot the three. He's not a big three-point shooter. You got Stephen Clay for that, but he's one of the best mid-range shooters in the game. And I don't see the Spurs going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, you've got Lamarcus Aldridge, and you've got. DeMar DeRozan, and you've also got uh, DeJounte Murray. Eh, and and I, But I, I think you could get DeMar DeRozan for D'Angelo Russell. Uh, it, it'd be a weird deal, but I'd like to see that um, I'd like to see that trade. Might be interesting. That's an interesting trade, but I think DeMar DeRozan would be slowly coming out of his prime. Yeah. That's the, be that's good. The, he won't be taking taking up shots. And, bo- and, and that's what Clay and Steph are doing. They're, yeah. they're not getting any younger, especially Steph, because he's starting to rack up the injuries now. Indeed. And uh, that's been his biggest problem is staying Which healthy. will be perfect for D'Angelo Russell. Good I think point. if they were to ever trade, one, Steph is the most untradeable player in the yeah. league, no matter what happens. And number two, if they were to trade him, they'd burn down that new arena. <laughs> yeah, that poor new arena. It's, it's, yeah, it's I feel it's, plagued. It's, it's really tough right now for that new arena they spent a billion dollars on. And just to see all – your players just go down like that. But we're going to send it to a quick break because we got still a lot more content. We'll be right back here with more.